Welcome to the Carpe Diem Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. Brian. Tyler. Mac. And this week we're going to talk about uh, a few different things. We're going to talk about obstacles, puzzles, and traps. It's a trap! And, <laughs> and what they mean for your game, for your players, and ways to use them effectively and ways that just don't work. So, obstacles. We'll start there. Obstacles, for all intents and purposes, are something that was in the way of the PCs that choose to slow their progress or to, to kill some time between when they're supposed to when they're at one place and when they're supposed to be at another. It's usually something like mm, I don't know, dead cow on the road. Fine, dead cow on the road. It could be crowd of people. It it could be a mountain, uh, which becomes a Test of skills, a skill test, depending on whatever system you might be using at the time. A door that you don't have a key for. That's a nice cop-out. That's an obstacle. You can just break that door. It's a good reason to use a mace or a key, <laughs> but that would be an obstacle. Or a door that only opens one way and you have to find another way around. A magical door that you have to talk to. I did yeah. that once. Yeah, that, you did. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. That's probably more of a puzzle or maybe even an NPC encounter, something like that. But... The main use of obstacles in gaming is to slow the progress of the PCs going from one place or one area to another. Or to divert them. Or to divert, yeah, exactly. To divert them to another direction, to another place. To Like, look over here instead of over here. Well, you mean- want to go to this country, but there's a desert in the way and you're not equipped to c- cross it because the GM doesn't really want you to go to that country. So, <laughs> so it's an illusion. <laughs> now you're going to stay here. You need your passport. Metagame. The, the second thing that we're going to talk about is puzzles. Now, puzzles could be anything, riddles, logic puzzles, logic problems, that type of thing. The classic puzzle of you have to put this specific thing in this specific place in order for something else to happen. Putting the gem in the eye of the statue, so on and so forth. Those are all puzzles. Flipping this lever so that the water turns off in this channel so that you can walk through it. So like like every annoying part in all the Zelda games. Not the water temples. Zelda (laughs) Zelda was full of puzzles and not really riddles, but full of puzzles and such. Iron boots on. Wait, no iron boots off. (laughs) Um, And the last thing we're going to talk about, traps. Now traps, again, in this specific conversation, not necessarily talking about ambushes and strategic traps that other NPCs may used to trap your PCs or to capture them. Traps are things that are in the way of the PCs or along the path of the PCs that suck up their resources before they get to a specific point. It's a GM trope of tenderizing them so that when they finally hit the big bad, he he can bludgeon them that much more effectively and he carries that much more weight in the PC's mind. In previous versions of Dungeons & Dragons that I've played, Traps are almost obligatory in any given dungeon because if you had a character that had trap finder trap sense, you had to give them an opportunity to use it. Particularly if that was what they were built around. And you'll find that a lot in the old uh, the old games, the old 1980s, early 90s games where you everything's a dungeon crawl of, of one, one sort or another. Is it the kind of like the concept of a mini boss where like he's basically just there to like soften you up and then you go to the big boss, you don't, you're all out of potions, yeah, you're like low concept. on health and just suck. Same concept. You, you just... You're, you're expending resources, or if it's a time factor, you know, spells, whatever you might need to defeat the challenge before you can get to the big guy. Let's start with obstacles. Obstacles in other media, for example, could be mazes. Mazes were a big thing. A maze isn't a trap. It's not a puzzle, per se, because eventually you walk around enough, you'll get there. Just like something it, in the way that you have to take time to get rid of. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a good obstacle. And if you, again, mentioning the old 1980s games, every RPG in the old 1980s games had a maze in it of some sort. Usually a labyrinth. And the labyrinth comes from, as far as I know, the old uh, Greek <laughs> myth about uh, Daedalus, Daedalus's maze. The labyrinth. That's the labyrinth with the Minotaur. And David Bowie. <laughs> no, that's a different thing. Uh, no, it's testicles went in with that uh, <laughs> piece, that piece of string. Yeah, let him it out. was it was Theseus. Oh, it was uh, Theseus? I thought it was testicles. <laughs> nope, it was Theseus. Goblin king, goblin king. king. King Minos had sent his son to Athens for the games, and he that's awesome. he got assassinated there. 
And this enraged King Minos, and he had Daedalus build the labyrinth underneath his palace. Previous to this, the queen had coupled with a bull due to the meddling of the Greek gods who always, <laughs> like they do. Haha, <laughs> uh-huh, now it's a cow. And she gave birth to the Minotaur. He was uh, Asterion. Um, the a man bear pig. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Minotaur is a half man, half bull. Uh, monstrosity, and uh, they put the Minotaur, his name was Asterion, I believe, they put the Minotaur in the labyrinth below Crete, and after the assassination of Daedalus, of uh, King Minos's son, Athens then had to start sending tributes from from their town to Crete, who would then be sent into the labyrinth to be killed by the Minotaur. One of those, one of those tributes was eventually Theseus, who was the son of the king of Athens and who eventually killed the Minotaur. But that's kind of where mazes come from. And yeah, thanks for joining yeah, Mythcast was, yeah. this week. Uh, next week we're going to tell you about the Titans. In case you weren't yeah. listening in history class in high school. Ancient Legends, another example of rich people never die. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I think it was aliens. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was aliens. Yeah. Like the movie? No, it was no. just aliens. Yeah. Have you just ever seen hi- Ancient Aliens? History was just aliens. Oh, man. okay. Oh, no, let's not... Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull. That was um. It was all them. That was wonderful. Yeah, I like their flying stuff. What did what did testicles do? Like why am I you thinking? Ta- testicles? I have no idea. We have who no idea what you're talking about. Is. Testicles is something you dreamt up. Maybe it's fake. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sure I, it's possible. I used to use the word testicles as a Greek hero named Testicles as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that uh, Greek myth thing really got away from me there, didn't it? Wait, what are we talking? Oh yeah, obstacles. <laughs> yes, <laughs> obstacles. Yeah. When you say obstacles, I think about party walking down the road. You got an elf talking all the snorty toity stuff. You got the dwarf telling about how he bested all of his goblins, and they keep walking on the road. Big hole in the road. Could be that. That's could the be obstacle. A, that's when it, I imagine an obstacle like crevasse or. It, well, I mean, it could be. I mean, pit if, trap. The, no, well, that's if it's a trap. A, if it's a trap that's supposed to spring <clears> up, it's a pit trap. But if it's just a huge hole in the in the road where you have to try to figure out a way across it, where the PCs are going to wind up using skill checks or whatever to get across there, there, there's really no place in the story for it. It's just a diversion. It just slows them down. What about like a bridge troll? Yeah, that's going to say, can it be an encounter of some sort? Like a, da- a dude who's like, hey, you can't pass here unless you give me 20 gold. Yeah, bridge well, troll. Well, it absolutely could. An example of encounters as an obstacle is that Random encounters, for the most part. When you're trying to travel from point A to point B... And some shit happens. Like, and if yeah. the GM has put charts together and you roll randomly on some die, you get some crazy monster, a troll, or a beholder, or whatever, and literally the only reason that thing is there is because you happen to be walking. There's no place in the story for this. That's an obstacle, even though it's an encounter. Even though it would be a fight. Because it's not going to do anything but suck resources from the PCs and add time to the travel between point A and B. So that's a that's an obstacle you can use, but I would be I'm leery of putting random monsters in my campaigns anymore. I used to do that when I was younger. I had I actually took the second edition monster handbook and went through the entire thing, every monster in there, and categorized it by time of activity and locale, and made random monster charts based on what type of terrain they were walking on and what time of day it was. Now, I did that to give an example of how traveling is dangerous in the world that they lived in, where if they could be traveling, if a group of level one heroes could be traveling from point A to point B, then why couldn't they cross the path of the Etten as well? Or like a boulder or something like that? Yeah, even if that party, even if that um, particular monster... What's that? They have low lem- low level immunity. Maybe not under Dan's. Uh, not under me. Under they, his, they his get, watch. They get clobbered by an Etten's <laughs> mace. They're getting clobbered by an Etten's mace. Man. That's the danger. But that was it, it, I. I used to be, and that Not was for just blood, Dan. That was the way I played. That's the way most young young men played. I think is that. That's the, the way most young men played. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, dude, let's go to Dan's house. Oh, oh no, yeah. we don't cool. go there yeah. anymore. Yeah. So we can play a 30-minute campaign. I can spend three hours making a character. He's just going to clobber now, in the now face. Let's flip, that, let's flip that around. Let's say the, the party of level one fighters, the level one party of adventurers, actually manages to beat that Etten. 
That's the stuff that legends are made out. They're now, now level five. Now they've leveled <laughs> up. They've, they've, they've got the bards in the town singing songs about them. And those type of situations actually make for better than average gaming because now they've got renowned in the area. Yeah, but nine times out of ten, you just kill their character. <laughs> that's, that's correct. In any case, an encounter can be used as an obstacle to, to slow PCs down from point A to point B. Now, my question is, why do you want to slow them down? Because any given Forgotten Realms slash medieval fantasy book would be about 10 pages long without those obstacles. That's true. I guess that's a good point, but the role-playing medium takes longer than reading a book. Now, I'm playing in a hunter campaign in which a lot of the sorts of obstacles we encounter are social. We have to avoid the cops. We don't like to have witnesses. We need to keep things slightly secret a lot of the time. There's a lot of good reasons for that. A lot of it's, a lot of it's essential to the setting. That, like, you're dealing with things that are not in the normal frame of reference and not widely accepted to exist. And in order to keep staying in that real-world setting but dealing with these strange-world things, you have to respect these obstacles. Uh, We have to work around the police. We have to file false reports. We have to stay hidden and operate at night. And it's it's long-running obstacles that have been invo- involved in a lot of different things. It, it adds a lot of color to the game. We, we end up role-playing a lot of our explanations of, like, where we were that night and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. It's also a paradigm. Like, people, I guess, would tend to think that um, the more obstacles you throw in a campaign or what have you makes it necessarily better just because, you know, other things have lots of obstacles. So we should as well. I, I can I guess I can understand that because it gives the PCs more to do from it's point A, a to point B. Opportunity. The mm-hmm. role playing opportunities, those actually further the story. Even if it's not the story that the GM is telling, it's the story of the character arc of the players. So anytime there's a role playing opportunity, I don't see that as an obstacle. I see that as you don't see it as a good use of an obstacle. It it could be a good use of an obstacle, but I don't. If it's a role playing opportunity, I don't see it as an obstacle. I see it as a role-playing opportunity, which I think is a different thing. I think an obstacle is something that just slows their progress from point A to point B. If they were meant to talk to that NPC or to run from the cops or anything like that, then that's actually part of the game. That's actually part of the story that you're trying to tell, as opposed to the random crevice in the road. So what you're saying is if obstacles are the yellow light, then traps are kind of like the red light? Obstacles can none of these are red lights any any of these things that we're talking about are just can be used too much or too deeply that can ruin the experience for certain players now there could be groups of players which i'm sure there are that just love running through traps obstacles puzzles riddles and just doing specifically dungeon crawls if there weren't people that wanted to do specifically dungeon crawls then most of the dungeons and dragons line wouldn't exist and there's numerous board games descent talisman talisman these are all centered around dungeon crawls and it's essentially all a puzzle on how to get from point a to point b or reach a goal the quickest and most efficient way without dying or losing a character oh man thunderstone yeah yeah what's uh what's that famous dungeon crawl from I think first or second ed. Oh, I, was waiting, I was waiting to talk about it. That was in my, it was in the back yeah. of my pocket. One time, Brian was willing to uh, DM us through the Tomb of Horrors, and I swear, the entire party was dead, and I was running backwards along... Completely like, naked, because you got like shocked with like the get-rid-of-all-your-stuff <laughs> beam. <laughs> I had like a golem, and then every monster in all the rooms behind me chasing me, and I was just running my way through the traps, just trying to find the exit. It's actually like a room. Like, like okay, there's like three entrances, and like two of the entrances kill you. And one of the entrances is the room that kills you to get into the thing. <laughs> so, like... Basically, you walk into this room and it's like a fifteen by a fifteen by like it's like a super long, but like a fifteen foot wide hallway, and like just like one out of every three of the random blocks just drop into it like a save or die pit trap. <laughs> the and, Tomb of Horrors is a is, is a classic case of all of these things being used too heavy handedly, yeah. <laughs> but. The really weird experience that I had in that was in just running from some of the encounters. I it was hilarious. I'm pretty sure by the time I finally died, Brian showed me how much of the dungeon I'd run through. It was like this much. It was like yeah. tiny. But still, it felt like I'd been going forever. Yeah. The, it, I remember reading about the Tomb of Horrors module, and it was called uh, at the time a thinking man's dungeon crawl. And so I read over. It's called the, the Crazy Man's Dungeon. <laughs> Dead so Man's Dungeon. It's the, it's the Gary Busey Dungeon. Yeah, yeah, it is. So I'm looking at the uh, the entryway. It's just the first hallway you walk into, 
and some of the pit some of the tiles on the floor are just pit traps yeah. some of them transport you elsewhere and i'm looking at the breakdown of where they are from point a to point b and there is absolutely no rhythm no pattern nothing that can explain where these things are there's a mosaic line that travels the path it has nothing to do with anything there's no way besides just complete by chance to even make it through the entryway of this thing without my favorite part about human horrors is if you manage to live all the way to the part where you fight Acerac, who is like the the demon the, the arch lich the yeah, demi lich who is uh who's like the boss of it you get there you fight him super tough fight you bring him down you're like oh that was it no, you just went through to the first third of the dungeon. Unless you have a wizard with one specific spell, you don't know that Acerac's skull was actually just like a construct of him that has like, and you have like a wizard with a certain spell that tells you exactly how to get to the other third of the dungeon. And now, <laughs> now a good example that could be a you could consider that a puzzle. Now, is there but any like, way no way what, you can you tell? That, that is the thing. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying is. If there's no way to tell, no way to figure out the puzzle, if it's just completely random, like, oh, well, I should have known that I was supposed to take this skull and throw it into the sphere of annihilation, clap my hands three times and say Shazam without any hints. That's not really a puzzle. That's sadism. <laughs> you were, he was right. You should be careful saying Shazam. Yeah. You don't know what kind of havoc you can wreak. So puzzles and riddles. Those are also things that you can use in, as a GM to challenge your players at the table. I have two qualms with puzzles and riddles, and I love them. I love running my players through different puzzles, riddles, any type of logic type of thing that, that they can go through to do whatever. The two qualms that I have are, number one, you're not really testing the character's intelligence, per se. You're testing the player around the table. And unless there's specific mechanics for ideas or anything like that in the game then there's no way to reflect your personal knowledge with your character's knowledge. I've had a long-running problem of playing characters with a lower intelligence score than I have. I have a lot of trouble, even in role-playing, separating myself and my own personal inte intellect from that of the characters. He's too smart. He's Why? too smart for his own, own character's good. I know. And I've tried to do it before. I've tried to play barbarians who have really low intelligence scores, and I tend to uh, overemphasize how dumb they are. That kind of is the the trope of playing the stupid character is your character is more stupid than anybody who could possibly have gotten like, good. Dude, enough. you have a nine intelligence, not a two intelligence. Like. Right. You're, you're role playing this, this character and he's so stupid that there's no way he could have survived this long out in the tundra. <laughs> and all of a sudden you get him in the city and he's a rock. He's a pet rock. And there's just no way he could dude, have survived. Dude, you can't eat shoes. Shoes aren't food. <laughs> right. He's Encino Man. <laughs> Look at him. He thinks he's people. <laughs> so when you're dealing with riddles and puzzles and logic problems and such in a dungeon crawl or in a building or a mage's keep or anything like that, there's a couple of things you got to remember. You're making the puzzle as the GM. You obviously know the answer. You can tie everything is, in the dungeon to this thing. That's the worst for me, because I'm like, riddles aren't really that interesting to me to begin with. So when somebody's like, here's this riddle, and they tell me the answer, I figured it out, and I was just like, oh, I just wasted like 20 minutes of my time. Or right. it, the worst thing is, is if you're, like, you're telling the riddle, and you're like waiting for the other person to figure it out, you're just like, it's the thing in the room <laughs> that does the stuff. Like, you're just like, it's just grueling and totally unfun and uneventful. I, I, could, I could understand that, because a lot of times I think obstacles are actually made up of weak puzzles and riddles put together <laughs> like obstacles that, are kind of like peppered with puzzles and riddles that's a good that's a good way to think about that's, it it's not just a crevice in the road it could be any yeah. number of things from my experience that's how i usually implement puzzles and riddles is in larger obstacles because i'll make an obstacle like a whole episodic section of this campaign that i that i'll do you know so right like what brian said when you have a big obstacle that's basically the main part of the, the like, section campaign. of the, yeah. Yeah. the dead city yeah, that, you've you're, got, that yeah. you're crossing paths with on the way to the next you've, kingdom. You've got problems when you run into problems when people in the party are like, just they're, they don't know where to even begin with this puzzle or riddle. That's and that's the dangers of using puzzles, riddles, logic problems, stuff like that in your game is that while you built the thing or you read the book that it came from or whatever, your PCs don't necessarily. And their characters may absolutely not have any idea if they're playing the five intelligence barbarian. So you need to make sure that if you're using a riddle or a puzzle, you got to make sure that there's hints involved yeah. in the setup to that it, so that 
people can find their way through it. It gets difficult uh, with hints also because you wind up with really, really like underwhelmed players yeah, after yeah. they solve this riddle or puzzle, what have you, that you know the solution to. And you're, when you're when you're writing it, when you're coming up with all this stuff, you're like, yeah, that's pretty exciting. I mean, if I right. if it this, had all unrolled, if it had all unfolded the way that you yeah. wanted it to, it would have been a great thing. And you wind up with kind of like underwhelming results. But I mean, you get the results you wanted, but the the characters or the players seem a little bit like underwhelmed with it all. So the right. obstacles themselves become like you know very personal to you, almost as personal as any other part of the campaign. They're really, as a GM building oh, yeah. it, you yeah. mean? Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Like they're not just arbitrarily put in. We're not going to oh, yeah. throw five cracks in the road. This, these are very deliberate obstacles to enrich the campaign that's right why and use... just make sure whenever you're putting the stuff in the campaign that it does in fact enrich the campaign either it shows something about the setting it tells you something about the person you're tracking down through this labyrinth or something like that make sure that there's story content involved and regardless make sure that if your pcs hit a wall and they have nowhere to go that they have an out because if you walk them into a room and the door slams behind them and all of a sudden it starts filling with sand now, the room's filling with sand. You look up to the ceiling to see where the sand's coming from. You see a riddle there that says, uh, seven man's length, seven men's strength, but seven strong men can't put me on end. Was what that on am the fly? I? Wow. Uh, no, it was not on the fly. <laughs> That's nice. Now, they're going to stare at that ceiling. They're going to write it down. They're going to fiddle with it. They're going to sit and talk about it, metagaming the thing for a and little while. And you're going to go get a drink. And you're going to go break. take a break, whatever. Yeah. And if you come back and they haven't figured it out, are you killing the PCs right then? Is that what's going to happen? Because. If that's the case, why were they ever in this room in the first place? Why go through the trouble of putting them in this room? Why not just kill them some other way that's quicker that they don't have to wait 20, waste 20 minutes of their time while they're trying to figure out the riddle? Or why put the trap in there at all if not? Or if if you weren't going to kill them because they don't understand the, the concept of the riddle, why does that trap exist in the first place? Uh, is there a timer on the sand or something? Because I've spent the last couple of minutes trying to figure out what the answer to that riddle is. And I have no idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the answer is rope. Seven men's length, seven men's strength, but seven strong men can't put me on end. There you go. You guys can all use that one in your next sand room trap. You hear that, guys? Here's a remember that one. <laughs> but if you don't, if you don't put another a caveat in there, a, a second way out, a back door, your PCs could die in that room. Now they may completely bypass the riddle in that place. In in that case, and just go pull the plugs out of the wall so that the sand runs out the holes. Indiana but, Jones does get trapped in the uh, tomb with w where the Ark had been, but there's a way out the sidewall. Right. Yeah, right. how many times... Let's talk about Indiana Jones about that. How many times does he get trapped, puzzled, or riddled? He doesn't figure out any puzzles. He doesn't care. Now, now that's <laughs> not necessarily true. He figures out a yeah. lot of them. The Raiders of the Lost Ark was the boulder. Yeah, in the beginning, in the uh, jungle, he's got the boulder, the pit trap, the... All traps. The sun with the... Uh, uh, darts. Right, right, right. And then the sandbaggy thing with the which, idol. Which could be a puzzle but turns into a trap because that's the boulder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There might be a couple other things there that I'm forgetting but uh, but and that's that's different from The Last Crusade which is all puzzles. In the end of The Last Crusade there's the penitent man shall pass with the right. saw blades and you have to kneel. Then there's the tile floor where you have to be able to spell the name of God. Right. Then the leap of faith at the chasm where you've got to know that there's a bridge in front of you despite the fact that you can't see it. Right. And then tossing the, tossing the pebbles and whatnot. And then the knowledge of Jesus thing where you have to know that the right cup is the one that's the cup of a carpenter's. So. Right. Yeah. N now those now are he all figured puzzles. out all those puzzles. Yeah. And, and, I mean, in it, you had to have your dad's diary, so that's what the entire movie is before that, is uh, having your dad having the diary and realizing that all this is a matter of faith. Uh, spoilers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? <laughs> oh, it's been out long enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. He did get trapped numerous times where there was just seemingly no way out, but he always found the side door or jumped in the... And that's why he's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> It's a luck mechanic. That's what it was. No, oh, he's just that good. <laughs> no, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, all luck mechanics. Every yeah. bit of it. He doesn't <laughs> do anything right <laughs> no, in that. No. Wait, no. you're saying the part dude? between the two, like, motorcycles or cars or whatever, that's that's luck? Yeah. Well, he survives a nuclear weapon by accidentally getting trapped in a refrigerator. <laughs> right. Well, I'm pretty sure there was a crabbiness mechanic in there as well. Just the crabbier he got, the more people left him alone. He has the old end of the man movie. immunity. He's like, get off my plane. If I gotta come back. Get out of my fridge. <laughs> also, the opening scene to uh, Temple of Doom, all luck mechanic. Right. So, so those things all furthered the story, but they were used in a visual medium. 
putting all that stuff and just having the chamber of puzzles, traps, and obstacles can be a fun situation. I've used it uh, once or twice before whenever the PCs were trying to go to a specific magical place or whatever they had to prove their... (laughs) They had to prove their worthiness uh, and to be able to get there. And they had a choice. They could either choose the physical path or the mental path, and they had the choice. So I let the PCs choose, and they chose the, the, the mental path. So they wound up going through... A bunch, a series of traps and puzzles and obstacles that they had to logic their way through or figure out, you know, the right path by luck to get through there. But at no point were they not able to just turn around and leave. They were able to just walk right back the way they came so that at no point were they trapped to the point that the campaign was going to end in the middle of this mountain. Checkpoints. You can either go through that door, that normal looking door, or the door that's labeled Labyrinth of Death. Well, at least with the Labyrinth of Death, we know what we're in for. <laughs> that other door could be anything. Yeah. Could, could, could be anything. <laughs> could even be a Labyrinth of Death. Yeah. <laughs> you know how much we hate those. It just turns out it also goes to the Labyrinth of Death. <laughs> Speaking of Labyrinth, that was another one that I was going to bring bring up, was for puzzles and riddles. Were Jim, the, Jim, the, the Jim Henson's, yes, the Jim Henson movie Dance, Labyrinth. Magic Dance. Yes, you brought it up. Uh, it was, um, at some point, she comes across two statues. They were standing in front of two doors, and she could ask the two twins one question, and one of them always told the truth, and one of them always told a lie. Now, she had to figure out a question to ask them so that she could figure out which door she could go in, because one led to her goal, and one led to certain death. That was a logic puzzle that really didn't do anything for the movie, because obviously if she'd taken the other door, the movie would have been over, roll credits. How may have been a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cut your losses. You know, save yourself twenty minutes of anguish. I don't know. And David yeah. Bowie's uh, privates yeah. package. Yeah, you wouldn't have gotten to the bog of eternal stench though. <laughs> it smells bad there. It does. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> so anyway, that's a logic puzzle, and she ultimately figured it out and asked the question, figured out the right door, obviously, and moved on. Now there was a funny little scene. Uh, in the very beginning of when she first walked into the labyrinth trying to chase down her little brother. And there was like this little worm sitting yeah. on the wall. And, and, you know, she walks by the worm and he's like, hello. <laughs> and she's, she goes, you know, excuse me, did, did you say hello? And he's like, no, I said hello, but that's close enough. And so she's... <laughs> <laughs> this guy so watches she does impressions. So, so she's, she's has a little conversation with him. She gets invited in for tea with the wife and kids in the worm's little hole. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And... She's leaving the conversation because she's got to go find her little brother, and she heads to the right. And he says, hey, wait, no, don't go that way. Never go that way. And she was like, oh, okay, thank you, and turned around and went down the path to the left. And then she's walking down the path to the left, and the camera pans in on the little worm, and he's like, you know, if she'd have kept going that way, it will led her straight to their castle, which, (laughs) of course, was where she was trying to go in the first place. So the worm in that case was an obstacle who was, it was a role-playing situation. He's also a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but he was put in place literally in that movie just to make her go the wrong direction so that you can have the next 45 minutes of Jim Henson's Muppets singing and dancing. And, and really? Could we do without that? <laughs> that we was need the entire that. purpose on, of the movie. We need it. It was a fun movie. I like it. I didn't say I didn't like yeah, it. Was... Now, another case of traps where where they're just unbeatable traps, is obviously the movie Saw, okay? Now, these are traps that are set painstakingly, and they're very sadistic. Never seen them, never will. you never seen a Saw movie? <laughs> no. Oh. I don't watch movies never saw it. like that. I he never saw a, Saw. He has an uneasy stomach. That, that's okay, that's okay. If you have an uneasy stomach, don't watch Saw. But however, just an, a, an idea of the concept of the traps that are in this movie, there's never a way to get out of these things without being hurt badly. Some of them are... I think it's in the third movie, though, where there's one or two of them that are just poorly written, and there are ways to easily get out of it that they, I guess, they just didn't realize. Like, oh. I mean, I won't go into detail. Okay, but... that's fine. Well, Earmuffs. Yeah. The, that's a concept of a trap that would not be fun to play through. It just wouldn't. Who wants to roleplay hacksawing their leg off? Okay, that's not a fun game. I don't know. I could make it a pretty good session. No. <laughs> yeah. nope. Nope. But in this case, the traps if this were a game session, the traps are the, the adventure is how you're wrestling through the adventure takes place in your character's head where you're trying to wrestle through the consequences of the trap that you're in and how to get out of it and what, what the options are death or life with severe damage. Spoiler alert, but it is possible to get out of the trap and saw without sawing your leg off. 
Yeah. They're is the answer, bad at it. Is the answer Danny Glover? Uh, no. Uh, the very first scene, I'm pretty sure, shows a guy waking up in, slightly underwater in a bathtub, and as he's writhing around, a a key a key like falls off or into the water or whatever and flows down the drain. It's not down the drain. It's just it's 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 in the drain. It's like oh. right there. And uh, that that was the key. If you <laughs> if, if you'd have gone searching through the the, the gross water it's really gross water it's really dirty if they'd ever like just decided that that should be a thing that they try to go looking through all that water they would have found their way out that's why you would be jigsaw in that situation yeah i walked out of i saw saw in theaters and when i walked out of it (laughs) i I turned to my friend and said is it weird that i'm thinking about traps like this (laughs) (laughs) it's it's definitely or puzzles like this i mean while we're being technical so traps um is the alternate to traps like when you're in one? Is it either you escape or you die? Like, is that not know, necessarily? No, that's what I'm saying like, what are, most, what are some other like you know ramifications of not escaping the trap? Well, let's just put it in perspective. You've got your party of four or five people, whatever it's going to be, and you're walking down a hallway, and there's a dart trap in the hallway. You step on a pressure plate in the floor, and all of a sudden, darts shoot out of the wall behind you. Now, poisoned. The, the darts may be poisoned with some sleeping poison or some poison or something like that, and all of a sudden your cleric is down. He's just asleep. He's not dead. But this is now a dynamic that the party has to deal with. Yeah. Now we have incapacitating, to incapacitating, stunning. It, with, right. with with that being said, you could say that saw the saw movies are more puzzles than traps because absolutely it's. It's encouraging lateral thinking, at least with with a trap. You're you just already like, trapped. You're, you're trying to find your yeah, way out. You're done. But I mean, you're. Yeah, that's a good point. You're in a bad spot before you know you you even had it's, anything happen. To it's you. a really dark puzzle yeah. mixed with a really dark moral quandary. Yeah, you can hash that out, but you have to live with whatever happens afterwards. Right. That's so. That's saw. But so really. By I mean they refer to them as traps in like the series of movies. Even. Right, it's more of a kidnapping, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. Into into <laughs> into uh, a really messed up puzzle. In, into a prison yeah. of some sort. That yeah. In a dungeon uh, crawl, for instance, if you were to step on a panel that opened a trap door beneath you and dropped you into a room, trap. that'd be a trap. Yeah. If then the room had four walls and a bare floor and you had to figure out how to get out of it, that's puzzle. a puzzle. That becomes yeah. a puzzle, right. Now, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a dungeon. It can be a building. It can be anything that has corridors and whatnot could could work essentially as a maze. You put people in an, you put your PCs in an office building and lock half of the doors, all of a sudden you've got a maze. Or make three or four of the doors only open one direction, now they have to figure out a way to get back around to a different hallway to get to wherever they're trying to get to. If you put a team of Marines in a skyscraper that's being torn apart by a giant mechanical worm, and as the building starts to fall over, they're constantly having to deal with the change of surfaces and the way they're now f- sliding down the floors and falling out the windows on the other side, but then the building flips around, and now they're falling the other direction, that's Transformers 3. Yeah, I was going to say, Transformers 3? Good job. That's a speedy puzzle, though. That's a, Wow. Yeah. So, so tell me about any puzzles, traps, obstacles, anything like that from from your guys' games that bear discussion. There is one I was kind of mentioned earlier. Um, I come to the table saying that I know nothing about traps, obstacles, or I'm just like these. <laughs> but are... the, the thing is, you say that, but the thing is, you really do. You're just not thinking along the same lines. As I just other don't. People. I, I'm not playing in a game with Brian is a trap. It is a trap. I, I make you believe there are no traps, but really, the whole game is a trap. It's all a trap. I had this, it was like an, I guess it's an obstacle or like a role-playing experience, obstacle, puzzle, majigger thing. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's technical. A, it's anything but a trap because it didn't try to kill you. How about that? Well, that's fine. Traps don't necessarily have to. Don't worry about uh, terminology. Okay. Just put it out there. Well, there's a door in this keep that they found, and right. like underneath the keep was this door, and it could... It like grew a face and it talked to you and it asked you like what it, you wanted to desire or like what you desired or what you wanted. Okay. And it only let you ask like one time. And if you, if you said something like nothing or I already have what I desire or friendship or something that like it would let you in. Okay. And inside was like, just like unlimited amounts of like Scrooge McDuck style gold. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and, uh, or just like weapons and armor and stuff. Right. Or it would actually take you to where your mind would actually needs or wants to go. It's sort so of like, your friend's like house the Wizard of Oz. Your... Kind of. No, it's like, uh, what's that movie? Uh, Harry Potter, I guess. The guy could only like get the the stick stone the, thing. The yeah, stone. yeah, yeah. Only if they didn't, they only needed it for 
like a truly, for not themselves. Yeah, for like a yeah. truly honorable purpose. Okay, so the door it, was the door was a test of morals. Yeah, it was. And will, if you and were how pure, to talk to it, no, because like you could lie to it and say the right thing and get in. Because some like I had a character di- do that, and they're like, we really need this book. And they ended up like saying like, "Oh, I seek knowledge." And so, so what like, happens if they said, "Yeah, I'm I'm looking for the Holy Avenger flaming sword." And just like tough luck. He was kind of a smart <laughs> door, to be honest. It was. Yeah. Our, we had a. <clears throat> there was a point where we had an idiot goblin go down there. We'll be just like, we were all like, "Okay, we'll just send this goblin down there. <laughs> he can probably get in. I mean, he's dumb. Like he might not say the right thing, but let's just see what happens." We sent him down there, and he wound up getting in, and. Uh, he came out after like maybe an hour and he was like the most intelligent, <laughs> well-spoken, like well-off goblin you've ever seen ever. That's hilarious. And it was, yeah, it was Scrooge funny. McGoblin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Morning, kind says. No, Thank you for the opportunity. Basically, the yeah, he was like totally calm and like British? altruistic. Yeah, he was. He had an accent. <laughs> He was like, yeah, super nice, but he was like, don't, don't be mean like that, you know, like, like everybody, calm down, just like, it was pretty cool, cause and then like got into like this, uh, one of the characters actually got in to go into like the secret, li- like it just a door opened up into a library that had a a, a librarian, like a bookkeeper, sure. who it was every tome ever written, ever like there was a copy of everything ever written down was in that library, and like you could just find anything you wanted, so they were just kind of like running through, and like the, t- the the bookkeeper ended up figuring out that they were like in there for ill gains, and they just like grabbed a bunch of stuff and just ran out of there, like. <laughs> Uh, I was once in a third edition Dungeons and Dragons very simple dungeon crawl. Okay. Um, it, it had been sort of scripted out, uh, uh, diagrammed, and it was extremely uh, Diablo one style. For instance, we had uh, sc- uh, scrolls of town portal okay. and resurrection stones, and we had resurrection stones because they were essential. You were going to die. Okay. For instance, you enter the dungeon. Immediately, immediately on your left <laughs> is a chest. First character who that rolled initiative, the highest initiative, my friend Shay, walked up to the chest, opened it. It's trapped. Uh, you take a power word kill, roll your save. You didn't save, you're dead. <laughs> All right, so you open the chest, you die. But it's okay, you've got a resurrection stone. And Nobody else opens that chest. Okay, so the chest <laughs> isn't still open. Uh, it's still open, but there wasn't anything in it. No, that, that was for that was for real. There wasn't anything in it. <laughs> it was just. The, it was a lesson. It was anything it was, in here can kill you. It was death in a box. All right. All right, all right. <laughs> um. I was playing a druid at the time. I was very into uh, summoning things. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah. And at one point, we came to a hallway with nothing obviously terrifying in it. And I had summoned a gorilla for the previous encounter, and I still had it for a few minutes. Right. I was calling it Monkey. It was my friend. How original. I sent Monkey down the hallway. Okay. It tri- it just ran, triggered like 10 traps, including like a, a vorpal drop guillotine blade. Okay. <laughs> that it just passed right through. And at the end, it like hit something and exploded. I can't remember. The entire party was just cracking up as the DM was going, uh, you trigger this trap and this trap and this trap. I'm really upset about that. Uh, <laughs> and I'm role playing it going, monkey, no. I could have pulled it off too if it wasn't for those kids and that monkey. <laughs> and then, no kidding, we we follow it, you know, jumping over the space left by the pit trap it opened up. And, and the carcass. And moving around oh, the vorpal blade because nobody wants to touch it for fear of just parts of you falling off. <laughs> we get to the end and there's pieces of this gorilla carcass, which, which I got a ruling that they're still there. Did you get a lucky gorilla's foot? No, despite oh. the fact that the gorilla died, the fact that it had been summoned for a duration of minutes meant that the parts were still there. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. We turn the corner to the left. Another hallway hallway. with not a lot (laughs) obvious. A seemingly empty hallway. We start throwing pieces of the gorilla down. (laughs) (laughs) Triggering another like five traps. Triggering another like five traps. Super useful. Way way uh, to go, monkey. It was hilarious. A little traumatizing. Wait, we're not supposed to curse on this podcast, but we can throw dismembered (laughs) chunks down hallways. Hey, it's all for the fun of the game, man. It was pretty fracked up. Anybody got anything else? Because I got some. Steve, what about you? You ain't got no traps? Obstacles? Anything cool? Noteworthy? It's no, a, it's really. a tarp. Okay. No bees in the trap? No. So I, I've got one. i got a couple. I've got one for an example for, for all of these things. Okay. As far as obstacles are concerned, I created essentially a camp, an adventure based on the movie Groundhog's Day. Okay? It was a medieval setting. Oh. The people, the, the PCs were 
in a medieval town. They had done some things. Doesn't doesn't really matter. Not was necessary. one of them was one of them named Phil. No, none of them was named Phil. Oh, okay, but uh, they were they were in the town, and something terrible had happened. And every time they went to sleep, they woke up the next morning, and it was the same day being repeated over and over again until they figured out what they had to change or what they had to do to stop this from happening. And none of the obvious things worked. So, obviously, this became less of a puzzle, more of an obstacle. Even though it did have puzzle elements to it, it became a a situation of trial and error. But now, during this time, I was using the town that just kept repeating the same day over and over. Now, that sounds kind of terrible, but they woke up, they'd hear the birds chirping in their inn. They walk downstairs on day one, and the bartender drops a glass. And then they walk out the door, and there's a dog dragging a chicken carcass into the alleyway i imagine you'd get a pretty neat script going and so yeah as we go through i build i build these these layers upon layers of redundancies and so it came to the point after a few times that after they'd tried something and then they'd spend time trying to waste the rest of the day before they went to sleep They'd say, okay, we go back to the end, we go to sleep, and all I'd have to say is, you wake up, the birds are chirping. And automatically, they're frustrated, they're aggravated, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily something that they were frustrated with the story, it's just that whatever they said didn't work. So now, they start playing with the scenery around them, where, for the last three days, they've walked down the stairs, and the bartender drops a glass. One of the PCs goes down uh, 30 seconds earlier and catches the glass at the floor, which creates a new role-playing situation with the bartender. So even though they were repeating the same days over and over, they had this meta-knowledge from the day before about what was going to happen. They bought a chicken and put it in the alleyway, and, you know, they helped the old lady carry the table to wherever she was going. And so the day itself became the role-playing opportunity. Eventually they figured it out and they solved it and they got out of the town. I do want to... I, I actually... You gave me that idea quite right. a while back ago because you're like, hey, I did this and you told me. I used it myself and it was one of the most fun, hilarious role-playing experience. Yeah, you can ever. fit it into anything. We had... Great. It got to the point where it was like, okay, they got to figure out what it was. It was like a, a water tower tipping over or something like that. Right. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay. They couldn't figure it out for the longest time, so it was like day one. We can't figure anything out. They're like, what's going on? It was like... Day two, they're like, okay, we figured it out. It was like day three, you're like, okay, what, ha- what the hell? Then it was like day twenty-seven, and it was like, <laughs> and it was, they were just like, they was just like, like a scene of them just like all like getting completely drunk, just like dancing in the room. And it was like, it was like day five hundred thirty-two, and it was just like the the sorcerer just like standing above the town, just going like, like the town's burning around him, and he's just like <laughs> shooting fireballs yeah. because it doesn't matter. Right? Yeah, exactly. I always had the problem with the movie Groundhog's Day that I didn't think he tried half the stuff I would have tried. <laughs> right. So another one, a simple trap that I've used that has worked every single time. Now this one I call the offering. It's really simple. The PCs are wherever they're going to be. They're walking up to a door, and it says something about the offering on it. You know, whether it's a sign or a carving or whatever. They open the door. They see uh, a room filled with a huge pile of gold coins or whatever denomination of money is in your campaign from a bunch of different eras and nationalities and whatnot. It's just littered with, with gold coins. The door is, it's a 10 by 10 room. The door is directly across from them. Obviously, they walk to the door. It won't open up. Somebody in the party, almost inev- invariably, will try picking up some gold coins before trying to drop some gold coins. All they have to do is drop a gold coin, and they, they can get out the door. Every single time, someone picks up the gold coins. And when they pick up the gold coins, we reverse gravity in the room, they fly up, hit the ceiling, and then all of the gold coins that were on the floor fly up and hit them. <laughs> and so they have gold coins in their hand now. They're stuck to the ceiling with gold coins plastered to their face because they're underneath the huge pile that was on the floor. If they let go of the gold coins, gravity reverses again. The gold coins that are on top of them fall to the floor, and then they fall from the floor, from the ceiling to the floor again. All they and eventually they figured out once or twice they figured out it's not really a trap. It's just a fun role playing situation, just to put the PCs in a fun position. I I used that as a trap once where I was like, yeah, that was like five thousand pounds of gold, and it just <laughs> landed on you, so you just took like thirty damage. Yeah, it's a big uh, it's a big chunk. Now with puzzles. I also created essentially an adventure for my gaming group that was a treasure map. Okay, now this treasure map was a special treasure map because it was six pages of drawings and scrawlings and runes and 
snippets of maps and all this other all this other stuff and you had to figure out how the pages worked together in one form or another to find the treasure now what this was for me was essentially it was an impossible puzzle for me to hand any p any person i'm not going to say any person somebody may figure it out but any person in my in my gaming group and for them to figure it out that was actually my campaign plan scrawled out across six pages of paper one puzzle was the location one puzzle was the location of the treasure map one section of the map was how to get in through the cave you know the map of once you get there where do you go one section was the description of the map and and so on and so forth one section of the map was the order in which the pages need to be set and so it was puzzle after puzzle after puzzle after puzzle all encompassed in this one treasure map that was essentially the campaign they had to adventure from point A to point B to get information or go to a library and research this thing. And so who such fun role playing, go it, to the library. It was a, actually, <laughs> it was a pretty, we had, uh, I guess maybe an Asperger's <laughs> librarian and it, it turned into a pretty fun role playing situation. Your but, spell books are overdue. <laughs> do, do you never watch wishbone ghost rider reading rainbow? Yeah, it's all <laughs> so exciting, man. But reading anyway, is fun yeah. and wait, mental. Wait, it's Wishbone, Ghost Rider, Reading Rainbow. Have you ever heard of them? That sounds yeah. like an awesome movie. <laughs> <laughs> they team up. It's like yeah. the Avengers, yeah. oh, but only God. Wishbone, yeah. Ghost Rider, and hey, yeah. Lavar Burton. Burton. <laughs> yeah, Wishbone gets like the spirit of vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a dog with a flaming skull. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> so right. anyway. This wasn't necessarily a puzzle that I expected him to figure out when I handed it to him. It was actually kind of the checklist of the campaign that we were running. As they would complete a new section of the puzzle, they would have unfolded another piece of the story. Now this all brings to the surface one specific topic that I wanted to approach that I think is extremely important here based on obstacles, puzzles, and traps. And it's the concept of adversarial GMing. Adversarial GMing is when your GM sits down at the table to try to beat the players. Tomb this, of Horrors. Essentially, yes. This is not a, a hobby in which the GM, I, I don't want to say it's not. Anyone can do it any way they want. If you're having fun, that's fine. But I'd be willing to, to guess that if you were a GM whose goal is to simply outsmart or outwit your players or outthink them, you're going to win most of the time because you're the GM. Whether you realize it or not, you're going to be taking care, taking advantage of some of this meta knowledge that you have and putting specific defenses down for the party's equipment and all this other things. You have the power of complete creativity. So to be an adversarial GM is really not fair to your players. They don't have an advantage here. Have you guys ever played with an adversarial GM? Oh, yeah. Where, where you just couldn't do anything. Where you everything that came across the game table was either unbeatable, unfathomable, you couldn't outsmart it, you couldn't talk to it, you couldn't do any you couldn't do anything to it. That's not good role playing. The genie. The genie. The genie. I once wandered off in the woods when I wasn't supposed to wander off in the woods, and there was a genie. And I was not supposed to fight the genie. But I decided I was going to fight the genie. And the genie was a cheater. <laughs> That's what genies do. The, the genie was many, many, many more times powerful than I was. And, uh, yeah, that was character death number three, I think, in that campaign. But at, at that point, was it actually the GM's fault? Was he being adversarial? Or was it a situation I don't know, where... Brian. Were you being adversarial? <laughs> <laughs> mm, no comment. Uh, Not I... really. It kind of, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> And you got this guy over here, the little waffler. Decides waffler. To, he decides to fight him. I mean, he could have just ran away. Or yeah, something. no, actually, that's okay. <laughs> that's what I was getting at. Was that? Did you actually have a choice? Now it might have been this problem. Might have been I didn't know what to do. Right. Might have been that there was one right path out, but nobody was spelling it out for me. So uh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> plus, plus it was it was punching it time. So sometimes that just happens to me. Right. Hey man, at least you didn't have. Somebody who let you make a character, and he was like, "Here's the guidelines for the entire campaign. You can do anything, anything, any make a character of anything." So I just made the most broken character I could, just to like prove him that I could. And he he's like, "Oh, here's the big demon overlord of all of the." He's like, "Which 
you know it's powerful when it's an old character of his from an old campaign that he's brought back as the villain for this campaign. That's the GM baby. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing I was talking about yeah. in villains. Yeah, he, he's brought him back. That's and, dangerous news. And that's just enticing for me to want to, like, murder that guy on sight. <laughs> <laughs> so I built, like, this charging paladin fighter who does, like, 9,000 damage on a charge with the lance. I charge him to, like, more damage or more damage to them than gods have health. Right. And he's like... He regenerates it, doesn't care. <laughs> I was worried you were going to come back with something from one of my campaigns, but no. You no, didn't. no. The person who did this, you know who you are. <laughs> All right. So, obviously, adversarial GMing is a concept. It's a touchy. It's a touchy situation. Now, when you were playing these campaigns, was it fun? Yeah. To, to play these campaigns. Sure. And I just remembered it was two genies. It was. It, well, one spawned another. <laughs> All right. So at the end of the day, what? at the end of the day, you sat down at the table, you had the genies, you had the demon overlord, whatever was going on. You had a fun session, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. I, I've had I've had pickup games of D20 Modern in high school where <laughs> some of the players were so annoying <laughs> that the GM and the entire rest of the party kind of cooperated to kill them. Those are fun. That's not yeah. really adversarial GMing. That's... Now, it's a trap for a GM, though. Sometimes yeah. your party can annoy you or continue to derail things to the point where you want to kill them. Like and in real life? And it's a trap. Uh, well, yeah, sure. This goes um. back to like the Saw thing, man. I mean, we're going to have to give you some help. Full, <laughs> full circle. Is it... Is it <laughs> quote. Is it odd that I'm thinking about making these traps? Like, that's, that's Do I want to kill all my party members in real life and in game? Adversarial jamming in the end of Saw, Jigsaw, the guy that made this, the thing, was in the room the entire time. Yeah. Spoilers. That uh, movie's been out almost. <laughs> it's been out for Dang, like a decade. You gotta stop that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The only things we get, we're not all like you who haven't seen movies in the last like 20 years. Like Brian, you have not seen that movie. Yeah, because I chose not to oh, see okay. that movie. All right, all right. I have not seen Labyrinth. Ooh, because I chose not to see it. Oh, dance magic dance. <laughs> Fair trade off, I think. <laughs> really? I saw Dark Crystal and couldn't really bear There's to a see big any difference. other dimension. That's, that's not the same. Not even close. <laughs> nah. Well, with that, I think I think we've beat this dead horse for long enough. Beating the dead horse. Yeah. I think we're gonna call it. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Carpe GM Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. I'm Brian. Tyler. And I'm Mac. And remember, support the hobby, support the industry, support your local game store, and support Masterpiece Mysteries Sherlock, second season now on DVD. The Carpe GM Gamecast is presented under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License Version 3.0. For further discussion on this topic or just about anything else, join our forum at carpegm.net slash forum. To contact us with questions, comments, and other feedback, please send your emails to dan at carpegm.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook slash carpegm.net or follow us on Twitter at C-A-R-P-E underscore GM. Thanks for listening. Next time on the Carpe GM Gamecast. Oh, the oxen free! Come on, guys. Seriously, where are you at? Where are you? Here. Tag, you're it. Seriously, guys, it's three in the morning. No, you've been here for six hours. I have class in the morning. Go home. How hard can it be to find someone in a three-room apartment?